Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Genesis 17 tonight, Walk Before Me is the title. So people who question whether or not God is still going to work in the literal nation of Israel, here you go. How long is the covenant? Everlasting. The covenant is I will give to you and to your descendants, so I will be a God to you. And hero Israel, uh, Deuteronomy 6.4, hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, he is our God. I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, very specific. And the land is an everlasting what? Possession, and I will be their God. The covenant is everlasting. The land is everlasting. And seven times God says, I will, and seven is the number of perfection. It is a done deal, baby. God is going to make good on his promises. And so he says, I'm going to give you the land, this battle over the land of Israel. The Bible is very clear. The land belongs to the people that flow from Abram. And I will make you the father of a multitude. I want to give you a little bit of James Montgomery Boyce on the name change. He says, when God changed his name to Abraham, he added an H to his name, or God really added, added the sound of breath, which is important in many ways. We spell Abraham with an additional ha, but those two letters are really just one breathy sound. In the ancient language, um, the words for breath and spirit were the same, as I mentioned. That's when God called Abram, Abraham, what he was really doing was adding his mighty breath or spirit to Abram's name, Yahweh. Perhaps the bigger point is that God was joining his name with Abram's. This is how you are going to live out the covenant, Abraham. You have questions about whether or not you can walk before me blameless, about how this is going to happen. How are you going to have a child? How is your wife going to have a child? I am now going to mingle my name with your name. It will not be your power. It will be mine. I will bring my breath. I will join my spirit with you. And we will become one in covenant when two people are married, that's what happens. Two names are joined together as husband and wife. Two people are joined together. They become one. And this mystery is great, but Paul says in Ephesians 5, I'm speaking in regard to Christ and his church. And when you became a Christian, God's breath or God's spirit came into you, and he mingled his name with yours, but not just his name, his spirit. His breath or his power. And sometimes we ask, Lord, it's so hard to be a Christian. We talk about walking with you. You said to Abram, walk before me blameless. How can one do that? You can't do it, but God can and will, if you will, be willing to surrender. The Christian life is not about more self-effort. The Christian life is about cutting away the flesh. Sometimes one painful cut at a time. God says it has to go. And we hold on to things in self-effort. And the Bible says we've been united with Christ um, through our death and identification with him in the death and resurrection. And one of the ways that that is pictured from Romans 6, we have been united with him in the likeness of his death and the likeness of his resurrection is pictured in what is right down to my right and this has now been finished by Greg. 
Um, and this is a baptistry. And Pastor John this week jokingly called it a little coffin. And he said, if you guys are looking for me, I may be sleeping in there. I don't think Pastor John can fit in there. What, what do you guys think? Anyway, but I'm glad he's not here tonight. But The New Testament equivalency to the Old Testament circumcision is baptism. And baptism is a picture of death and resurrection and being united to Christ. If you look up baptism in a systematic theology, a book about uh, Bible doctrines, that's how they will tell you you define baptism. It's death to the old self. You go under the water. Resurrection to a new life by the power of Jesus Christ. And the whole picture is one of identification with the Lord, with his spirit, with his people. Are you with me? This is where this chapter is heading. And, and, and the message is very clear. If you want to have a life that's set apart for God, you need to surrender and die and even crucify the flesh. And God said further to Abraham, verse nine, now as for you, here's your part, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, it's mine, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Can you imagine that memo going around the tent? I've got a new name, <laughs> everybody. And oh, boys, I just need the males. All the males of the household come over here. We have a new sign <laughs> of a covenant. We'll get to that in a minute. So he says, every male among you shall be circumcised. This is what you're supposed to do. You respond to my covenant by getting circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be the sign of the covenant between me and you. Keep reading. Every male among you who's eight days old, here's where you get the idea that on the eighth day, the child will be circumcised. There's some who believe that children were named on this day as well, shall be circumcised throughout your generations. Eight is the number of new beginnings. Why get circumcised on the eighth day? Because every time an Israelite or a slave that was in an Israelite household got circumcised, it was a new beginning, a new beginning, a new beginning. It was a time to say, a covenant. Dependent on God, and my part is to set aside the flesh. And so even the servants who had been bought with money from any foreigner, there were many servants that Abram had from Egypt and other places who are not your descendants, even them. A servant who is born in your house or who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. You can think of these as converts. Thus shall my covenant be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. But an uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person, and here's a little play on words here, shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So when people were told about the sign of the covenant, that the sign of the covenant was a covenant cutting away of the flesh, or the sign of the covenant was that you've got to die to truly live in the baptistry, if you will. The baptistry doesn't save you. You guys all know that. It becomes a picture of salvation. You've got to decide who do you want to follow. Whose way are you going to choose? Christianity is different in this way. It tells you, if you really want to live, you've got to die. How's that for a popular message to the world, right? 
But that is what the message is. And if you say, I don't want to do it, then you're cut off from your people and being cut off can be an expression of being moved out of the culture or moved out of the uh, community, but it also could sometimes speak of capital punishment. Ian Duguid notes that many people approach God, listen to this, as if they were interviewing him for an open job position for a personal deity in my life. <laughs> Don't you think that sometimes modern Christianity seems like that? Well, uh, the God of the Bible, uh, yeah, uh, I'll, take, I'll take 10 minutes on a Sunday and I'll, I'll interview him to see if he fits my criteria for a personal deity that I would choose. No, the God of the Bible says, do it my way or you're not gonna make it. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And in fact, the Bible teaches that if you don't do it God's way, you will be cut off from his presence. And God said to Abraham, as for, your, for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai. She's going to go through a name change. But Sarah shall be her name. Fittingly, uh, Sarai uh, means my princess and the, the my uh, taking away the limiting personal pronoun, it just means now princess, verse 16, confirms this. I will bless her and indeed I will give you a son, notice, by her. It's going to be through her. And then I will bless her. She felt like a woman that was not blessed. Now God says, I will bless her. I will give you a son by her. And I don't know what the facial expression of Abraham would look like. And he's like, really? Okay. I will bless her. She will be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Uh, by faith, Hebrews 11, 11, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life. Since she considered him faithful who had promised, Hebrews 11, 11. And Abram, for the second time in this narrative, fell on his face. But this time, would you notice? Genesis 17, 17, he laughed. I don't know all the details of the laugh, but I think it was kind of a laugh of surprise. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> Can you repeat that one more time? Me, 99, she, 90, and we're going to have a child now. And by the way, that child's name will mean laughter. His name, Isaac, Itzhak, the Jews might say, his name means laughter. Every time they saw him, he was a source of joy and laughter. And the book of Romans, um, let's turn there, Romans chapter 4, is a commentary on Genesis 17. So Romans 4, what kind of laugh was this? Later we know that Sarai, Sarah, laughed, and God confronted her in the tent, and she denied it. God says, why did you laugh? And she says, I didn't laugh. And God says, yes, you did. And when God says you laughed, and you try to deny it, don't even try, because he already knows everything anyway. And Romans 4 tells us something about Abraham. Look at verse, for the sake of time, verse uh, 18. It says, in hope against hope, he believed, in order that he might become a father of many nations, according to which had been spoken, so shall your descendants be, Romans 4.19. And without becoming weak in faith... He contemplated his own body. This is a pretty funny picture. <laughs> now as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. 
Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong, and that seems like it was a process, in faith, giving glory to God and being fully assured that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Therefore also it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Keep reading. Now, not for his sake only was it written that it was reckoned to him, but for our sake also to whom it will be reckoned as those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he who was delivered up because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. See, this promise, these footsteps, go back to Genesis 17 and we'll finish it, is not just about Abraham. It's about you. It's about God's promises being true and yes and amen and hope against hope. They believed. They believed even with huge obstacles like, Lord, how in the world is this going to happen? We're past those years. Her womb is dead, but God is able to make things as though they were dead to live. He's the God of what? Resurrection, of broken dreams, broken relationships, even faith that seems like it's wavering and almost dead. He can make you alive again. Do you believe it? How big is your God? Is he big enough? You know, the God of Abraham is your God. Do you know that? The God of miracles is your God. Do you believe that? The God that caused the womb of Sarah to be alive again is your God. Do you believe that? You have to ask yourself, is he your God? Are you willing to take him at his word and believe that he is a God of miracles? And Abraham said to God, a little doubt, which gives us hope. Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Lord, I've got a son. He's 13. Maybe part of what Abraham is saying is, don't, I don't want him to be left out of the promises. He's had 13 years with this boy. It is his child, even though through Hagar, he still loves Ishmael. And he says, oh, Lord, maybe there's a little doubt here. Maybe there's concern for Ishmael. But God said, no, not us. But Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son. Seems like there's some maybe hesitancy or even maybe a little bit of unbelief. No, Sarah will be the one, and you shall call his name Isaac. His name means laughter. This is, we have many new names introduced. El Shaddai, Abraham, Sarah, and now Isaac. Four new names. Put them together. God is omnipotent and strong and sovereign. God can bless you even when you don't expect to be blessed. God can make a womb alive again and, and make, a, make a life where there seems to be death and here, he can give you joy in your heart. When those promises come to pass, and Isaac is here, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him, verse 20. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I will bless him. I will make him fruitful. From Ishmael come the line of the Arab nations, and I will multiply him exceedingly. He shall become the father of 12 princes. You can write down Genesis 25, 12 through 18. We'll get to that in a later study. And I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you at this season next year. The promise is coming. One more year. You've waited 13, just wait 14. Two sevens, put them together. My promise will be complete. And Abraham had to be blown away. And I'm sure when he shared the news with Sarah, it was quite an amazing lunch discussion. <laughs> Pour another cup of tea. He said, what? 
Your name is what? We're going to have what in a year? A baby. <laughs> Can you blend his name? <laughs> Laughter. Isn't God awesome? The way he weaves a tapestry together. And when he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham, presumably back to heaven. And Abraham took Ishmael, his son. He made the announcement. The memo went out. All the servants who were born in his house and all who were bought with his money, every male among the men. Here's a day when you enjoy being a female. Every male among, <laughs> there's not many days when, you know, usually guys say, man, I'm glad I'm a man. But this is a day you're rejoicing to be a woman. Every male among the men of Abraham's household and circumcised the flesh of their foreskin in the very same day as God had said to him. That day, that shows you how serious Abram's, uh, Abraham's faith was. He took God at his word and it was that day. And I'm sure a couple people argued in the committee meeting, what, what about next week? There's got to be... <laughs> There could be a better day. I mean, why? I mean, you're a little overboard with your faith here, Abraham. I know you got a new name and everything, but slow down. Slow down the presses. This is serious stuff. We got to think about this. We got to talk about this. No. Today, the devil says, just toy with your flesh one more day. You guys remember the story of the plagues in Egypt? One of the plagues was frogs. Frogs in your head, frogs on your bed, frogs where you make the pie crust, frogs everywhere, rivet, rivet, rivet. You're getting used to the frogs. You're just kind of you know, a little froggy sleeping next to you at night instead of your doggy. It's a froggy. You're the only one that understands me. <laughs> getting used to the frogs. And so on this particular plague, every time the Pharaoh would call for Moses to pray and ask the plague to go away, and Moses changed it up this time. He said, hey, Pharaoh, this time we're going to change it up. At your word, the frogs will go away. Just say the word and they're gone. When do you want the frogs to go away? And Pharaoh, in a classic answer, inexplicable to all mankind, says, tomorrow. <laughs> Just one more night with the frogs. Isn't that how the flesh is? The Bible says, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. And the devil says, ah, you gotten used to the slimy green froggy one more night tomorrow. That's, that's our famous line for our diets, right? Kate, come, you, know, you, you made that New Year's resolution. All right, that's it. <laughs> no more sweets. I've joined the gym. I signed a 25-year contract. <laughs> they love people like that, right? And then you go to work on Monday and it's somebody's birthday and the chocolate cake's coming around and it's decision time. Well, tomorrow I could always, <laughs> I could start the diet tomorrow. Just one more <laughs> night with the frogs. And Abraham says, no, it's time today. I believe this was Abram's greatest act of faith in all the Bible, personally. That's a joke. You guys should be <laughs> laughing at that. You know, laughing. <laughs> Maybe it was a bad joke. <laughs> now, Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. By the way, this was a risky venture. To do this to all the males of the household would incapacitate the household for at least a couple of days. So you'd have to really be relying upon God because all the males would be kind of, you know, we're trying to recover. 
In the very same day, Abraham was circumcised and Ishmael, his son, maybe to try to include him in the promises. And all the men of his household who were born in the house or bought with money from a foreigner were circumcised with him. Would you turn to Colossians 2 and we're done. Colossians chapter 2. The Bible talks a lot about circumcision, but it says that what really matters is not the circumcision of the body. What really matters is the circumcision of the heart. And God says, circumcise your hearts, circumcise your hearts. The whole book of Galatians is a warning that it's not about an exterior sign, it's about an interior change. What really matters is that you're born again of the Holy Spirit, that you've had your heart circumcised, that the Spirit's come and united himself with your spirit, that you know you're a child of God. And in Colossians 2, here's what the Bible says. And in him, in Jesus 2.10, you have been made complete. And he, Jesus, is the head over all rule and authority. And in him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And when, Colossians 2.13, you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us how many? All of our transgressions having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us and which was hostile to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Would you bow with me, Father? Thank you for this great picture. We see that in the picture of circumcision, it does speak to the future posterity of Abraham and the blessing through Sarah. And thank you that it becomes a picture really of us yielding our lives to your spirit. It's one of the toughest things I think there is to do for every Christian is to yield to the operation of your spirit, to trust in you, to put on the full armor of God, to be filled with the spirit, to trust in your promises, to walk in your footsteps, to walk by faith and not by sight, to literally come to you and say, Lord, there's nothing in my flesh. Not one good thing is in my flesh. So let it be crucified that you might live through me. That we could say like Paul, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and through me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me with your head and heart bowed. Do you want your heart to change tonight? Do you want to have your heart circumcised? Do you want to get rid of that old sick heart? and get a new one. I'm not talking about a literal pumping organ here. I'm talking about a new spiritual birth. Maybe you're a prodigal. Maybe you've been running from God. Maybe you have had a hiccup. Maybe you took a shortcut and there's some consequences and you want to get back. And God may have let it leap off the page tonight. Walk before me. Walk in my ways. Walk in response to my covenant. Lord, for those who are crying out to you, may you bless them and strengthen them and encourage them. If you're not a Christian tonight, then the answer is to come to Christ just as you are. Come with all your questions, all your concerns, all your baggage and say, Lord, I surrender. I don't want to have one more night with the frogs. Pray it to him if it's you. I trust in your death on the cross. 
that you were cut off from the land of the living. I believe in your resurrection. Make me your child. Change me from the inside out, Lord. Help me to learn to walk by faith. I turn from my sin and I turn to you. Lord, for those who are crying out and doing some business with you tonight, may you bless them, may you strengthen them, may you encourage them. May you remind us that you never give up on us. Even on the heels of a mistake that Abram made, you still appeared to him and blessed him beyond what he could imagine. So let us be encouraged tonight as we live our lives of faith. Strengthen us, pour your spirit into us. Thank you that our name is mingled with yours and we belong to you. And he who who began a good work in us will complete it to the day of Christ. Amen. So God had mentioned that the circumcision was to be assigned to other peoples that you are set apart, that you belong to me. Now, people can witness public baptisms, but aside from that, when we walk away from the baptism, how else can a Christian be identified that they belong to Christ? And, you know, really it has to do with how you live. The book of James says, you know, You can say you have faith. Show me your faith by your works. So inevitably, Oscar, if you're in the covenant, if you if you have the the true sign of the covenant, I'd have to say as a New Testament believer is the Holy Spirit. The presence of, you know, we're sealed with the spirit right at the moment of conversion. Mm -hmm. And so fruits come out of that. And it is how you walk or how you live. So I would say it's all about how you live. If someone's going to recognize I'm a Christian, they're going to see the fruits of the Spirit, which are love, joy, peace, patience, go down the list. Galatians 5, and 23. So I think that is the primary evidence that we are um, in the new covenant is the evidence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So just like Abram or Abraham now, um, someone exterior can see that he was no longer the way he was. In the same way with us in the New Covenant, they can see a change in attitude. So let me throw it out for us, Oscar, and for our listening audience. How are you walking? Is it evident that you are in the New Covenant? And are you getting opportunities by the way you live to witness to other people? Oscar, we're getting statistics on Christian radio that about 40% of our listening audience is unchurched or not a Christian yet. So we come on these airwaves, just like a lot of Christians do at work or wherever, and we're making an appeal. Um, it's the content of the message, the substance of the me- message, but it's also the content of our lives. Paul said to the Corinthian church, you are our letter, not written with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. You're our testimony. And so I think that's a powerful thing, Oscar. Um, our own witness in the world. And, you know, as Christians, sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not so good. And uh, I guess we have hope because Abraham kind of was in the same boat, right? Exactly. I think he it was you know more good than bad, but um, we want to walk out what we say we believe. That's what it's about, Oscar. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. 
You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.